The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry, built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. And with available features like heated seats and a multimedia touchscreen, you can stay connected in comfort and style. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle, from the hip and agile sedan to the sporty hatchback. There's a dependable Corolla built just for you. Plus, both Camrys and Corollas are available in hybrid models. So no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and affordably. And right now, your local Toyota dealer has more vehicles in stock and is making delivery on new vehicles almost every day. So visit your local Toyota dealer. And check out amazing national sales event deals on Camrys, Corollas, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Offers end April 1st. Toyota, let's go places. Passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. It's time for the opening, the, the opening drive. All right, Dan, so you're at Hallis Hall. Matt Eberflus met the media. I don't know if he watched the film as he promised he would. I'm sure he did. And oh, he explained did. some things about Justin Fields and his assessment of what went wrong. But let's start with the news of the day, the one that might be the, the headline from what happened uh, in terms of an injury situation, Kyler Gordon, cornerback for the Bears, injured his hand. What's the latest? Yeah, so the latest is we're uh, in wait and see mode to see whether uh, Kyler Gordon will be um, able to play this week. I think that's the, the first step. And then if he's not able to play this week, will this be something that lingers for multiple weeks? Will this be something that that uh, qualifies for short-term IR, which would be a, a, a four-game absence? Again, yeah, you cringe when you even think about that sentiment. Uh, but Matt Eberflus, true to his policy, is not going to give us any sort of formal update until – they have their Wednesday practice. We did have an opportunity, though, later in the afternoon to meet with Jalen Johnson and asked him if he had seen Kyler and talked to him and how he thought Kyler was doing. And Jalen's response was, he's been better. And then he answered a, a detailed follow-up to a question I had about what it will be like if Josh Blackwell has to play uh, an extended period of time in Gordon's absence and seemed to indicate that they were already kind of gearing up toward that possibility, understanding that it could be possible that Gordon isn't available Sunday in Tampa and might not be available for, for multiple weeks. So that's a, a, another, uh, I guess, trickle of bad news uh, after the faucet was roaring with bad news on Sunday. Let's look at that a little closer. Josh Blackwell would emerge as the nickel corner, so he would play the slot like Kyler Gordon does when they usually go with five defensive backs. Is it a surprise to you? I know that's kind of been the way it's gone throughout the preseason because of maybe the skill set that's very specific to that role. But are there other defensive backs that you thought might get a shot? If this is indeed a short-term IR situation, if the Bears have to go several games, is that the best move in your mind? 
Yeah, listen, Josh Blackwell held his own last year. He was one of those surprise stories as a guy that that came in here late and then and then contributed in the ways that they asked him to contribute. Uh, one of, part of Jalen Johnson's answer today was that his confidence in Josh Blackwell stems from what he saw from Josh Blackwell a year ago playing that role. And so there is uh, some time on task there and 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 a little bit of uh, a proven experience there that that they believe on inside this building. Uh, Kyler Gordon is obviously your first choice, but if, if forced to go to the next man up move that would be a move that they would go to without without losing a ton of sleep over it even though they would obviously like to have Gordon on the field so we've all been in these locker rooms the day after a real bad defeat it seems like it's a very familiar feeling uh, if not an unwelcome one around Chicago and certainly at Hallis so besides the injury news how would you describe the overall mindset the mentality the psyche of the Bears after such a disappointing opening day loss. Yeah, well, David, I would just say that it, it, it was all too familiar. I mean, you just feel like you're listening to canned audio of the, oh, these are correctable mistakes. Oh, if we just take care of what we're supposed to do. Oh, we just got to take care of a few more assignments and we'll be right on the right footing. Well, I've sat here for 10 seasons in one game and, and heard that way more than I care care to count on. I think there's a, a disappointment um, amongst the players here at just how lopsided that game got. Remember, it's seven to six in the final minute of the first half. You know, you hadn't played your best, but you were right in a football game, and all you had to do was figure out a way to make some adjustments at halftime, come back, be sharp, and and meet some moments. And they failed to do that. And then it got away from them, and then it got away from them some more, and they walked out of there with an 18-point loss with the building half empty. And so I think everybody felt that, and everybody understands what that disappointment is and, and, and what it uh, should be and shouldn't be. And now they just have to figure out how they're going to respond. And I think that's what this week is all about is can you respond better after that loss than you responded in the game while that loss was getting away from you? It felt like the 18th game of Matt Eberflus's first season and just right. a continuation of 2022 in terms of the mistakes, almost the expectation that something bad was going to happen. And frankly, almost the 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 uh, restraint that the offense had in terms of not being able to uh, open things up and not being able to take shots down the field and just being very, very careful. And I just wondered if that was uh, something you – I mean, how, how was that addressed when Matt Eberflus met the media? Just in terms of the, the, the game planning? or, or Yeah, game, game planning game and then how, how everything was taken. Well, uh, listen, I think that they're, they're – uh, it's really easy, especially in this city, to have that knee-jerk impulse of, of saying everything's on the coordinator and the game plan was flawed and the plays weren't called properly. you got to understand the Bears uh, called 48 pass plays yesterday you know and and there's there's four of them that resulted in sacks seven others that were tuck and run scrambles which were opportunities to push the ball down the football field and whether it was a protection breakdown a decision making problem from the quarterback bad routes run by the 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 receivers whatever it may be you had opportunities and they didn't they didn't materialize the way you wanted and so um look they, they part of their game plan was without question to attack horizontally to try to get some of your playmakers the ball on the perimeter and get good blocking out in front of them and, and use that to create chunk plays it didn't happen they go back to the tape and they they thought david that they saw that a, a few missed blocks on some of those perimeter plays would have sprung a play that went for 
minus three or two yards for 15 or 20. And so that's that's where y- you get into a little bit of, of of a guessing game. And you go back through it. I mean, you can find it. There, you know, there's a little screen play out to Deontay Foreman and a block's missed by Robert Tunnin and it gets taken down for a loss. There's uh, plays all throughout the game and Chase Claypool misses a block on a running play. And they're just like, you just have to be on your details. This team is not good enough. They're not talented enough. They're not deep enough to play a flawed football game and get away f- with it. Your mistakes are, are, are exposed and they're magnified because of who you are as a football team. And that happened Sunday and it got away quickly. And so um, I just, I, I, I'm very resistant to the idea that, that this was a, a, a Luke Getze loss. Um, I think that this collectively, I mean, Luke owns part of it. He's got a piece of that pie chart without question, but offensive line, quarterback, receivers, running backs, everybody else shares in this. And, and I, I just, I, I just think that's too simplistic and too convenient to make yourself feel better. Oh, I think so. I mean, I think it's collective in terms of the shared responsibility and blame. I do believe that uh, Getze in, in particular is is near, you know, how, how do you divvy it out? It really doesn't matter. But I, I do think that they have to work through this idea that if you are going to trust your quarterback and want other people to believe that he is your guy, then you've got to do that in the way that you call plays. And I understand that that might be some of the quarterback as well and his own reluctance to maybe take a shot down the field and he's checking down and making the right decision, perhaps. I also think that there would be some examples that you could point to around the the league if if he's going to be the kind of dynamic passer that they want him to be and he's going to be that guy. You're going to to have to throw and make plays when guys aren't obviously open. You're not not at Ohio State and you're not playing Rutgers. And this isn't going to be a case where – you know, DJ Moore obviously has a step and a half on a cornerback. He may have a half step, but you anticipate he's going to be able to create some separation. So you make that throw and you take that chance. And I just don't think they're there yet. Now, whether that's Luke Getze drilling it into his head or the coaching staff doing that, or it's Justin Fields' own reluctance to kind of take that step, I do think it's shared responsibility. I can be critical of Getze because I feel like it was maybe too much of an emphasis on the horizontal passing game. And I hated hated, hated the tight end quarterback sneak because I think it sent the wrong message on the first drive. But your point's well taken. It's not just an offensive coordinator. You fix the play calling and everything else is going to be fine. No, yeah, exactly, and that, that that's exactly where we're at here. I, you know, I I said to Brad Biggs back in in June on a, on a day where the offense struggled, and it was clear that the offense was struggling because the offense didn't have uh, the type of players to not struggle yet, including the quarterback. And I said the pitchforks are going to come out first for Luke Getzey. I said you just wait that that'd be the first person they blamed when this offense starts to struggle again. It took one game; they're already coming coming for Luke Getzey, and, and and so we're going to live this cycle again. Uh, my colleague Colleen Kane said when we walked into the building this morning, she said, "I just have PTSD to the the, the Mitch era where everyone wants to find." other reasons for why the quarterback isn't good enough. And then the quarterback leaves here and he doesn't ever surface as a reliable starter ever again. I'm not saying that's where we're headed with Justin Fields, but I'm not saying it's not, right. <laughs> you know? Right. And so it, you, you just have to, to be open and honest to, to, to what is causing some of these problems. Um, and look, like Luke will talk on Thursday. I'll be really interested to hear some of the questions he takes and some of the answers he gives, because you, you know uh, uh, that he has been a very honest, direct, real talk uh, administrator here inside this offense for the two years that he's been here, and we'll see kind of how he responds to all this. So I, before we get to our quarterback breakdown, I want to ask you a couple of real quick uh, other points about specific guys. We could have a separate segment every week if we want, keeping up with the Joneses, but Braxton Jones struggled mightily, maybe his worst day as an NFL left tackle. 
Justin Jones, the three technique who they had a lot of faith in, didn't even appear on the stat sheet. Both of those guys, how would you describe their games? And also, was anything said about their days by Matt Eberflus? If we're playing keeping up with the Joneses, do not pick TJ Edwards for your team because he was unable to keep up with Aaron Jones on that little <laughs> arrow route. The next thing you know, he's left in the <laughs> dust chasing Aaron Jones. Well, so keeping up with the Jones, it didn't work in that case. Braxton Jones, four penalties, never ever, ever are you going to have a four-penalty day by an offensive lineman and put your head on the pillow at night and sleep well. You know, that was just – it was not good. Two false starts, two holding penalties, two uh, many mistakes that that set your offense back. And that's what the entire day was about. They just kept having backward momentum, backward momentum, backward momentum. We mentioned it after the game Sunday night with the seven possessions out of 12 where you're playing from behind the sticks at some point on a drive, and you just can't play winning football that way. That also handcuffs a coordinator for what you're going to do. Now, uh, to Justin Jones – look like one of the gambles you took in deciding that that you know uh darnell wright was was the the no doubt number one uh option for you in the draft when you're picking in the top 10 was that you passed on a potential game-changing three technique we talked about it at the time the 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 reasons that they made that decision made sense you could justify it you could rationalize it but you still have to answer that position inside this particular defense on who is going to be that guy in the middle that creates havoc, that creates the problems, that makes the opposing quarterback scared every time he takes a snap and that pocket starts to cave in a little bit. They don't have that right now. Justin Jones not appearing on the stat sheet with any recordable statistic is is uh, it's inexcusable, just like Braxton Jones's four penalties are. And so that's what I say. When you look at this loss from top to bottom of the depth chart, with the exception of maybe Roshan Johnson, I'm not sure you can name me a single player who played well on Sunday. Honestly, maybe Cairo Santos just because he made two field goals. Santos and Roshan Johnson are the only players that come to mind as having a positive day that can maybe uh, say they had a good night's sleep on Sunday. Other than that, it's a pretty short list. I think Ngakwe, he flashed and he made a nice play for a tackle for loss on a running play. He had a sack. So he got to the quarterback as advertised, but I don't feel like if if you belong to that defensive front, you don't feel good about your pass pressure on Jordan Love, who was way too comfortable. And and as of uh, a, a, before we, we see Jordan uh, Aaron Rodgers versus uh, uh, Josh Allen, Jordan Love has the highest pass rating of any quarterback in week one in the NFL. And oh, by the way, had a perfect passer rating of 158.3 on third and fourth down. So I don't know that you can feel good about your pass rush when those are the realities you're looking at. Braxton Jones could be a work in progress. The thing is, Dan, as we know, I don't know that they have any other option except for to live with the development of a fifth-round draft pick at left tackle. Well, no, and that's you know one of the questions we talked about earlier on on Monday is is the the problems that you have on defense are those solvable either because we've talked since the spring about the lack of teeth to the pass rush and you get one sack, three quarterback hits and that was it for the entire day and and I don't know that the you know. Uh, Julius Peppers is walking through this door anytime soon. <laughs> Robert Quinn of, uh, of a couple years ago isn't walking through this door. Khalil Mack's not going to be here. So you have what you have, and you better figure out ways to manufacture that pressure because if you don't, um, you know, you're going to get Baker Mayfield on Sunday, and then you're going to go to Arrowhead, and you're going to face Patrick Mahomes. And if you can't heat up Patrick Mahomes in any way, shape, or form throughout a game, 
good luck keeping that scoreboard, uh, you know, at less than 38 to 20. You know what I mean? Like that will be uh, Arrowhead fireworks show all afternoon. And then again, another 325 start. I know Brad Biggs has already filed a petition to get that game moved out of the 325 slot because he doesn't want to see the Bears embarrassed uh, in front of another big audience like that. Yeah, I'm sure that's why. I'm sure it's not just so he can get done earlier because if, if he started 325, we might only have nine and a half thoughts in the Chicago Tribune the next day. So who knows? Yeah. But that's where we are, right? Like, and, and so, right. so now inside the building, they've got to figure out what is truly fixable with what they have and what they're just going to have to live with and try to work around. 